This message is brought to you by House on the Rock Fellowship. We are a church that serves and cares for the Miami Valley region in Ohio. Before you continue, make sure to access the notes from our download section of our message page and have your Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Uh, If you're a guest, thank you for... What? (laughs) If you're a guest, thank you for being here this morning. It, It means a lot that you'd come and... And hang out with us. I really appreciate you joining us this morning. If you're watching online, thank you. Uh, we're thankful that you're there. We wish that you could be here. Uh, we're going to enter into the Advent season today. For followers of Jesus, Christmas isn't a little bit of a 30-minute window on December 25th as kids crank through presents. For us, the Advent season is the beginning of our year as we anchor time in the arrival of Jesus. And so instead of one moment, we're going to gather together under this theme for the next four Sundays, talking about things like hope and love and joy and peace. And we've provided readings and other resources. But I'm very thankful that you're with us, especially this morning. A big thank you to all the teams who came out after church last Sunday, get things decorated and turned around and, and trees set up. That means a lot. It just helps to kind of create the space, create the space. So let me pray also and ask God's blessing and presence. And if there's things that are just upon your heart, let's lay them at the foot of our Savior and let's ask his blessing upon this teaching time. Father God, the one who is to be hallowed, we thank you Thank you from the bottom of our souls for those that you have called out of darkness into light. Thank you for the message of Jesus. Thank you for Jesus who enters the storm. In that thick, thick Western Ohio fog, Jesus, you stand up and say, I'm here. May your blessing and your spirit rest upon our gathering, our teaching time. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Please share with your people the things that they need to hear. Maybe something very specific and unique to them. For those who find themselves in a cave of darkness and doubt, uncertainty, Lord Jesus, call them out into your love and your praise and your presence. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. Sleeping as a young child for me in the elementary school years was very difficult. I did not sleep very much. I did not sleep very well. I have one of those kind of brains and imaginations that as soon as it latches onto an image and an idea, it doesn't like to shake it. And now, while that can be fine, if it's an enjoyable, fun, imaginative idea, if it's something nightmarish and ghoulish and dark, it will keep me up all through the night. I don't watch horror movies. I don't like to be scared. I don't like any of those things. And so I spent much of my elementary school years, one with my head under the pillow, because we all know that the monsters can't get you when you're under the pillow, right? Right? And number two, when I would close the bedroom door, I would always leave you know, three fingers width 
of it open so that the light can cascade out. My parents would stay up to watch movies or whatever it might be. And just the light from the living room washing into my bedroom. Just those three fingers was enough to let me know that everything is going to be okay. No matter the dark that I'm in, no matter what has grabbed a hold of my attention, there's the light and I know dad's on the other side. We are moving into a time where we're going to focus on light a little bit this morning. To be reminded that light has come into our darkness and how precious that light, how beautiful that light is. So let me encourage you to take out a copy of the scriptures. Um, if you're, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. Been in John for a while, just on and off in various passages. But this month through Advent, these four Sundays, we're going to be in John chapter 1 in what we call the prologue, the beginning passages. Unpacking different ways of understanding and being thankful for the presence of Jesus. I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of John. These are scripture journals that we have out there. It's a helpful way just to take notes and write down things together. Carmen will have verses up on the screen to follow along. But let me read for you where we're going to be this morning. This is John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 9 through 13. John chapter 1, 9 through 13, the very beginning of John's gospel. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, has come as true light a gift from God for everyone. True light, meaning the source of all light. Not reflected light, not filtered light. He is the light by which everything else that has light and possesses light receives that light. If you're to walk out in the nighttime sky and you see the moon, the moon of itself does not have light. It merely reflects the light. As the sun does this beautiful created bank shot off the moon into our night. It's the sun that is the source of the light. Likewise, Jesus Christ is the one who comes, who is true light. True meaning reality, authentic, genuine, good. Anytime scripture talks about light, it wants you to think this is a good thing. This is a right thing. This is a needed thing. Especially in an age where things can be false and things can be fake. Lights that lead astray and paths that lead away. Jesus Christ comes as a true light into our darkness. 
I like action movies. Maybe you like action movies. Some action movies have this very kind of cliche scene where the bomb is ticking down, tick, 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 and it gets to 10 seconds, and it gets to 5 seconds, and the hero has to rush in, and the last minute cut the right wire. You know what I'm talking about? It's pretty cliche. A lot of movies do the same thing. Well, in 1989, James Cameron thought he'd put that on a twist. Number one, he took the nuclear warhead and he put it two miles down in the ocean, okay, in the movie called The Abyss. And Ed Harris, the hero, had to put on this amazing compressed water oxygenated suit and then go down with his fluorescent lights to cut the right wire before the warhead goes off and he's destroyed and his team's destroyed and everyone's destroyed and the aliens move away and all just everything falls apart. Okay, So here's this warhead two miles down in this deep aquatic trench, resting on this ledge, and he has to float down, has to open the thing up, and then he has to cut the wires. And the engineer tells us, listen, you don't want to cut this wire, you want to cut this wire. Some of them are going to be black and white, some of them are going to be blue and yellow. Make sure you cut the right one. Well, the problem was when he opened it up and he took out his fancy fluorescent light to shine it upon the lights, all the colors because of the light looked the same. Whether you know it or not, you are on the edge of a cliff. And there is certain death on the other side of the wrong decision. And the question remains, what light are you following? Some things shine pretty and some things shine bright. But not everything that glitters is gold. Jesus has come as true light. He shows the way that things truly are, genuinely are a good guiding pole star in the middle of the darkest night that says, go this way, go this way. And while some of us would not give in to false lights or fake lights, we will give in to filtered and reflected ones. Things that are good things that God would intend to be God things. I, I love the story of Charlie Brown Christmas. Okay? Maybe you're like me. You kind of have, all right, we're moved into the Christmas season. So we've got to watch this movie. We've got to watch this movie. And we're not watching that movie. And we're definitely muting the Hallmark Channel. Um, she just watches when I'm not there. It's fine. But oh, Charlie Brown Christmas, classic, has to be there. You have to watch it. I love it. I love it dearly. Love it dearly. And you maybe you remember the scene where, okay, they all gather in, in, in the hall because they're going to put on the Christmas pageant. Okay? And there's the wise men and there's the shepherds. And the shepherd again. And, you know, Snoopy has to be all the animals. And Charlie's asked to be the director. And they got the, the Christmas queen. And, and they, we don't have a Christmas tree. Charlie Brown, you have to go get a Christmas tree. So they send Charlie Brown off to get the Christmas tree. Make sure you get a good Christmas tree, a wonderful, majestic Christmas tree. While they're practicing the Christmas pageant, the Christmas show, the story of Jesus, that Linus gets up and beautifully quotes from, from Luke chapter 2. Beautiful moment. Love it. But here's this moment, if you have ever noticed it, and I don't mean to ruin because some of you are like, he's going to ruin it. He's going to ruin my favorite Christmas cartoon. I don't, I don't mean to ruin it. But there's this moment at the end 
when they all leave gathered around the Christmas story to go gather around the Christmas tree. They leave the story centered on Jesus and it ends gathered around a tree. Christmas tree a good thing? Absolutely. We have a lot of be- beautiful, we have a Christmas tree in our house. It's a good thing. The question that we have in the presence of Jesus is how can we take this good thing and now turn it into a God thing, a reflecting thing that points us back to the story of Jesus. You're going to give presents and you're going to gather with family and you're going to do lots of things this season that are good things. The message of Jesus reminds us that he is the true light. Everything else is merely reflections. And so we gather this Advent, to remember that it's Jesus who is our hope. In the same way you look upon the flame, we look solely and only to Jesus Christ as our hope. True light, true light has come into the world given for everyone. Everyone. It's a gift. He gave it of his own free will. And just like this light illumines lots of things that are around it. If we were to turn out all the lights, I actually wrestled with this idea this week. I was going to have this creative moment where I was going to have all the lights go out completely black in here. FYI, that's a real hard thing to pull off. Okay? I mean, you start thinking, that light and that light and that light and that light. And I started doing the math. Like, there's no way we can actually do this in a really fun, creative way without being really distracting. And we're just left with this soul light. But imagine, if you will, that if that's the soul light, it is going to reveal various things around it. And Jesus Christ, when he came, revealed two very, very, very important things in this passage. The first thing that he revealed, one, is the world's lostness. Jesus came and he revealed how truly lost the world is. It says this, he was in the world, verse 10, and the world was made through him, yet the world didn't know him. He came to his own, the Jewish people. His own people did not receive him. A testimony against, a spotlight upon how fallen and lost our hearts are. When the Bible, John specifically talks about the world, he talks about the realm that humans live in and how rebellious it is. How rebellious it is. So in the light of Jesus, the question is, how rebellious is it? How rebellious is it? When I was coming in this morning, sun was not yet up and it was foggy. It was a foggy day in London town. Okay? It was so foggy that the National Weather Service decided to get on the phone to tell me that it was foggy. It was, that's how foggy it was. Hey, there's a fog alert for, yep, I know, I know, I know. And normally I drive up um, Aldine and I come up across, you know, Farrington and Washington and I could not see the stop sign that was 20 feet in front of my car. I knew it was there. 
I knew it was coming. I'm like, where's that stop sign? Where's that stop sign? I know that stop sign's there. It wasn't until that I was 20 feet away from that stop sign could I see it. How foggy was it? It was that foggy. It was that dark. It was that shaded, filtered, covered, blanketed. My, I was at a soccer game with Aiden, my middle son, yesterday. And at one point in the game, one of the opposing team came across and slide tackled one of Aiden's players and wiped him out and he didn't get up. In fact, Aiden walked over because, you know, maybe he can get cramped up a little bit. And Aiden went down to grab and the guy's like, don't touch me. Don't, don't, don't touch. Aiden's like, how bad is it? The dad had to actually walk over and pick him up and carry him off. His shin had been obliterated so much, racked so much with pain. How bad is it? It was that bad that he could not move on his own. He had to be carried by the father to safety. So Jesus shows up and he shines the light. And we need to ask ourselves, how bad is it? How lost are we? The world so lost, it did not recognize its creator when he showed up. So lost that we didn't recognize our creator when he showed up. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Take it another level. His own people. His own people. Not only did they not recognize him, they rejected him. What does that mean? For hundreds and hundreds of years, the Jewish people were anticipating their Messiah. Hundreds and hundreds of years, prophet upon prophet upon prophet. Christmas passages, Advent passages that we read during the season. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Wonderful counselor, mighty father, everlasting father, prince of peace. Those types of passages. They know this. They're studying this. They are well anticipating the fact that God is going to send them a deliverer. That things are so bad. A, a deliverer, a prophet like Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. A prophet like Elijah in the book of Malachi. You, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, in the land of Judah, who are least among the peoples. And the prophet Micah. Entire schools of Jewish thought, well aware of the reality that God is going to send us a Messiah. And so when the Messiah does show up, how lost are we? So lost, they rejected the very Messiah. So Advent means, the word Advent means to anticipate. Anticipate his arriving. We're, we're entering into that practice again of anticipating. We're going to push the cell phone aside and we're going to push the, the cares of the world aside so that we can anticipate and think on the fact that we are so lost in our brokenness, in our darkness. How dark is it that when the light actually is turned on, we want God to put it out? In fact, we put it out ourselves. We put it out ourselves. 
as the Jewish people committed to finding the Messiah, crucified him on a cross. We will chase after false things. We will chase after reflected things, filtered things. But when God actually does show up, we can't even see it. It reminds me of the old joke of the man that was in the flood on the roof. You guys know this joke? This is a good old preacher joke, right? Flood comes through. You guys don't know this joke? Allie, you don't know this one? Sweet, then you'll laugh. Okay, Allie, let me tell you a joke, okay? So this flood comes through, the man's stuck on the roof of his house. And he's waiting for it. See, Adam, he's a good Baptist. He knows this joke. Everybody, Santa Anita, the Baptist preacher knows this joke, okay? The guy's sitting on the roof and he's waiting and says, hey, God, you need to save me. God, you need to save me. The water's coming up on the roof of my house. I'm going to say, all of a sudden, this guy comes by in a rowboat. Hey, hey, do you need saved? Because I got myself a boat here. No, I asked God, God's going to save me. Okay, off he goes, off he goes, off he goes. A little bit later, a little boy comes along and he's just on this little log. He's got his dog on one end. He says, sir, you want to get on the log here because it's flooding and we don't want anything to happen to you. No, I asked God, God's going to send me help. Okay, up, floats off, floats off. National Guard shows up with a helicopter. Hey, we're here to rescue you. Don't need to, I asked God to send me help. Don't need your help. I ask God to save me. Are you sure? Because the... off goes the helicopter. Well, the water rose. The man drowned. Of course, like every good preacher joke, he stands in front of St. Peter and got the pearly gates like, hey, why didn't you save me? I sent you a boat. I sent you a log. I sent you a helicopter. Why didn't you get on? Right? Isn't that a funny joke? Yeah. How lost were we? We are so lost in our darkness that when the creator walks in, we didn't recognize it. We are so lost that when the Messiah, the promised, heralded Messiah himself arrives in all of his glory, doing the wonderful signs that he did, rather than turn to the light, we snuffed it out. It's one of the things that his light reveals, that we will resist and turn away from him. And later in John's gospel, in John chapter 12, John, um, Jesus picks up this a little bit differently. Let me just read a couple passages. This is John chapter 12. I'm going to read verse 35 and 36. John 12 verses 35 and 36. Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. One more verse. This is verse 46. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Maybe this morning you find yourself in darkness. You feel darkness. You feel no direction. Jesus has come as light 
as hope. One of the things that that points out is how truly dark and lost we are. There's another thing that the light of Jesus reveals, and that's the love of the Father. The love of the Father. Verse 12, back in John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. How does the Father feel about you? He loves you very much. He delights in you so much. As you well could imagine, any father who finds his son swamped, finds his daughter overcome in the middle of a rebellious, torturous, dangerous, monster-filled battlefield, sends a rescue in. The father looks at us in our darkness, in our fear, overwhelmed, and sends the son to rescue. Son, bring them home. I love them so much. Oh, how he loves us. He's not forced to do it. He's not obligated to do it. He wills it. He delights it. This rescue doesn't happen because of your lineage. You're born from a certain line. You have a certain family history, a certain patronage that obligates the Father to save you. He says it's by the will of, he wants to, he delights in, he loves us. We keep trying to live up to a standard that the world puts out there. We keep trying to live up to a standard that social media puts out there and Snapchat puts out there and Instabook and Tweetface puts out there. These curated highlight reels. And the father looks and says, I, just, I love you so much. I love you so much. The light reveals it. He demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ninety-six times in John's gospel, he uses the word believe. But all who receive him, welcome him, who believe in his name. That word believe is a special word. It's, it's a combination of two. Here's a little grammar for you. It's a noun plus a verb together. It's a noun that's doing a thing. One word. It means to consider something and entrust yourself to the hope that thing brings. It's a little nerdy. It's okay. I want you to get your money's worth this morning. Okay? To consider it and then entrust yourself to the hope that that thing will bring. And so he says, believe in Jesus. Consider Jesus, the name of Jesus, all that Jesus is, all that Jesus has done. Consider that and then trust yourself that he will do the very thing that he said he was going to do. That his name is enough. His name is enough. Imagine, imagine we have a Christmas, we've got a lot of Christmas trees actually. How many of you got your Christmas trees up? We have our Christmas tree up. 
It's, it's, it's not a living Christmas tree. It's a symbolic Christmas tree. Ours is. It's, imagine that you get all the gifts out, find them underneath the tree, and there's a fancy one. All the glitters and gold and bows, and it's, ooh, and your name is on it. You don't know who it's from, but man, it's pretty. Do you want this one? Because it's pretty. Mary, do you want this one? You do, don't you? Yeah, like it's nice. It's fan. Look at the, look at the bows. Oh. And then right next to it is this one. It's for you too. And this one's from Jesus. Which one are you going to pick? Which one would you pick? Now, those of us who have been journeying with Jesus long enough, all I need to know, it's from Jesus. That's all I need. That he shows up and his graciousness, his goodness, his love. Paul, I have something for you. It is your destiny. It is your story. It is all the hope. Can I get some specifics? Like, can we nail a few things down? Like, do I get a jet? Because some preachers have jets. Can I have a jet? This is the box that it's from me. What about this one? Who's this one from? Oh, the world won't tell you who gives those gifts. They just make sure that they're really pretty and sparkle. They just make sure that they shine. And so you are presented with, on a daily basis, you're presented with this life or you're presented with this life. And Jesus says, walk while you have light. Walk while you have the opportunity. I assure you, it's enough that Jesus' name is on the box. Entrust yourself to him. When do I get to open it? You'll open it at the end. When's the end? You'll know. So we come to the Advent season with the opportunity of entrusting ourselves to that truth. That he has come as a light into the world to give hope to everyone. It doesn't matter your history. It doesn't matter your choices. It doesn't matter your failures, your faulting. It doesn't matter anything except that the name of Jesus is enough for you. What he has done is enough for you. I had a... I had a friend call me up. You know, I love these phone calls. Sometimes I love phone calls. This was when I love. I was. Uh, we were at a fundraiser, a school fundraiser, uh, at a restaurant for the Troy Soccer Club. My wife and I are on the the board, the team board. And he calls me up. He says, "You got a few minutes? I'm like, for you always, for you always." So why don't you come on down and hang out with us? We'll chit-chat. We'll hang out. I love, I, love, I love doing that. He's like, oh, I don't want to take up any of your time. I just want to ask a question. Like, sure, absolutely. So I, I kind of, I don't know what he's going to say. 
Like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I give my wife the look, and I do the pastor signal, and she's like, I know, I know. So I, I, I step away, and I go outside, and I'm like, what's up? What's up? What do you need? He's like, how do I do the thing? I'm like, what thing? You know, the Jesus thing? How do I do the thing? Like, what do I have to do? Like, I think you and I have a lot in common, and it's just like, you've got that thing, and I know I know. So what do I got to do to do the thing that you do to get the Jesus thing? Like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, do you want it? Do you want the thing? Like, yeah. And he was approaching it like it's something that I do. Like it's something that he does. Like it's something that you fabricate. Like if you stand up and you say a certain way and you spin around so many times and you, you know, do it. And then God will, oh, you did the thing right. So now you get the thing. Did you see this part where it says, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the power for you to be adopted as God's son. That's what that means. All you have to do is receive it. So I don't have to do a thing? Do you want it? I want it. You got it. You got it. Now walk in relationship with him. To consider, consider all that he has done. How he proved himself and demonstrated himself. How he laid down his life for you. You get that? I got that. All right, Awesome. How he has called you to a life of hope and promise in him. You got that? I got that. You want that? I want that. You got it. Like, I got it. You've got it. You got the thing. Just walk in the truth that is that he loves you so very much. Walk in the light. Believe in his name. Entrust yourself that your time is in his hands. That power, not your power, it's his power. It's his spirit that gives life. This morning as you gather at the beginning of the Advent season, I think a couple questions rest in front of you. For those of you who are a follower of Jesus Christ, hold on to my challenge from last week. Be a good witness this Advent. Be a good witness where we grew up in western Pennsylvania, blizzards would kind of come through the kind of blizzards that lay waste to the road so you can't see the guiding lines on the highway. The blizzards that completely wash out, white out the road in front of you. And so in the dead of night, it is inch upon inch, mile upon mile, white knuckling. And it's a wonderful thing if when you are coming up I-79 and you come up to the, where, where the snow just kind of vomits all over the place, if you can find another traveler ahead of you who's a little bit farther ahead of you and you kind of fix on their taillights and you pray they know the road ahead. Perhaps you are that set of taillights. Perhaps you are that, that car that's a little farther ahead for somebody else. That you can say, hey, follow me. I'll get us to dad's house. Follow me. I'll get us to dad's house. Shine bright. It's a dark world. Be a good witness. Be a good witness this season. Show them what Christmas is really all about. For some of you, 
This is completely foreign. And you are scrapping and surviving inside the cave of your own darkness. But there's some glimmer that showed up to you this morning. Some glimmer that's rested upon your, you, you this morning. And you, you want more. You want more. For those who believe in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so I would encourage you, we're going to come to the table a little bit. Uh, Doug and elder, FYI, elder means more than he just prays for you and you call him. He and I'll talk. <laughs> it also means he cares about you very much as a spiritual leader in the church. Um, I'll be down here. If you would like to talk more about Jesus, either during the worship gathering or afterwards, let's talk about that. Because he has come and that light has shown for everyone. And that light is for you this morning. I'm going to ask God's blessing. Before I pray, I can't preach without telling a little bit of the story of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Um, you know that story, Ebenezer Scrooge? Familiar? I love it. It's one of my favorites. There's this moment when Ebenezer Scrooge is brought to the house of his employee, Bob Cratchit, by the ghost of the Christmas present. And he's able to watch Bob Cratchit, his employee, come in who's very poor, lives very poor, and he's carrying Tiny Tim on his shoulders. Tiny Tim is lame. He cannot walk very well. And the ghost of Christmas present tells Ebenezer Scrooge that, yeah, there's a real good chance Tiny Tim's not going to see another Christmas. And so his family, Tiny Tim's parents, are weighed down by that reality of brokenness in their own son. Maybe you know that pain. And Tiny Tim's mom, Mrs. Cratchit, asked Bob, how was Tiny Tim at church? How did you do at church? Because it's Christmas and what you do is you go to church on Christmas because that's what you do when you're a follower of Jesus. Oh, he was as good as gold. Bob Cratchit said. This is odd the things he thinks about when he sits there by himself. And he thought it was good for people to see him as lame and as broken as he was. To be reminded on Christmas, the one who makes blind men see and lame men walk. Let's be reminded of that. Let's be reminded of that. Jesus, who is the light of the world, has called us into the light. Let's give thanks for the hope that we have. Father, as we come to this table in Jesus' name by the power of the Spirit. I pray just in this moment for those who are struggling in the darkness that by the gracious power of your Spirit you would awaken their hearts to the beauty of Jesus. They don't need to do the thing. They need to receive what's already been done. For those of us who carry that light, may we hold that up through the foggiest of nights Help us to be good witnesses this season that light has come into the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. May we recommit ourselves to that responsibility of holding that light high, of reflecting his goodness well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today 
and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.